And uh, are you guys ready for the Word of God? Amen. We're going to release Tom. Tom's going to share a word with us today. And I'm going to get back on the Ephesians study next week on Ephesians 3. So if you guys would read next week, Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to uh, preach and teach on that next week. And uh, we're going to let Tom, just Lord bless Tom. Amen. Everybody just reach your hand towards Tom. Father, bless him in the name of Jesus. We thank you for Pastor Tom. We just ask God your blessing upon the declaring of your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, glory. God is good. Amen. Um, well, today, um, what I want to I want to share with you guys, um, you know, last um, I want to I want to follow kind of what Lynn shared last week. Was that just awesome? Did it minister to anybody? It's been a long time since I heard a message and it made me cry. That message touched me. It was really good. And in fact, you know what Lynn even shared last week. Um, really set up what I have to share uh, today. Lynn's message was, it was very timely. It was, uh, it deeply moved me personally uh, in this season of my life. So, um, I'm going to get through this, I promise. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring it. So today I want to talk about keeping the Sabbath. What? What's that got to do with what Lynn had to say? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to use what he said last week to help you get interested in what I'm going to say today. <laughs> but really, I, I want to talk about keeping the Sabbath. I want to talk about what the Bible has to say about the Sabbath. Um, but first, let me say that we all probably are living in a blizzard And very few of us have a rope. Um, and, and there's a book called um, A Hidden Wholeness. And in that book, um, it's by Parker Palmer. He tells a story about how farmers here in the Midwest who would prepare for blizzards by tying a rope from the back door of their house out to the barn as a guide to ensure that they could return safely to the house. And some of you are like, yep, that's right. Good. I'm glad my facts are straight. <laughs> I hate quoting things that aren't true. And the reason was is because these blizzards, they came so quickly and so fiercely and were so dangerous. And so when, when those blizzards were in full force, blowing and, and, and just hailing snow, you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. And so as the farmer would leave the house to go to the barn, many times they froze to death in those blizzards because they would become disoriented. They couldn't even figure out which way is back to the house. Sometimes they just would wander in circles in their own backyard, getting lost, 
And if they lost, if they lost grip with that rope, it would almost become impossible for them to find their way back home. And so some farmers, they would literally freeze to death within feet of their own back door, never realizing how close they were to safety. You know, there's, I know many of us in the body of Christ who have really um, lost our way spiritually. And in the whiteout of life's blizzard swirling around us, it happens. You know, blizzards happen in our life when we begin to say yes to too many things. Blizzards begin to happen in our lives when we say yes to too many things. Between the demands of work and family and our lives, somewhere we, we land between full and overflowing. We multitask so much so that we are sometimes unaware that we're trying to do three things at once. And yet we admire people who are able to accomplish so much in such little time. They become our role models. And so we listen to sermons and read books about slowing down and creating margin in our lives. We, we read about the need to rest and recharge our batteries. But we can't stop. And if we aren't busy, here we go, this is me. If we aren't busy, we feel guilty that we're wasting time, that we're not productive. That's how I feel. I don't know about you. And so we go through the motions of doing so many things as if there's no alternative way to spend our days. It's like uh, being addicted, only it's not to drugs or alcohol. It's to tasks and work and doing more. And so any sense of rhythm in our daily or weekly or yearly lives, it's been swallowed up in the blizzard of our lives. And then add to this, you know, the storms of trials that come in our lives that blow in and unexpectedly and they catch us off guard and we wonder why so many of us are disoriented and confused. Well, the fact is, is that we, we, I, you, me, we need a rope to lead us back home. So today I want to share um, that I believe God is offering us a rope to keep us from getting lost. That this rope consistently leads us back home to him. To a place that's centered and rooted. And one of the ways that we 
have been created to do this, to grab the rope, is by keeping the Sabbath. So what is a Sabbath? Well, the word Sabbath, it comes from a Hebrew word that means to cease, to stop working. It refers to doing nothing related to work for a 24-hour period of time. It refers to this unit of time around which we are to orient our entire lives as holy, which means separate, which means a cut above the other six days of your week. That's the Sabbath. Holy unto the Lord, a cut above the other six days. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Way up in the front. We're going to start reading verse 2. It says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. From all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So, what the Sabbath is to do, it's to provide for us an additional rhythm in our lives that help reorient ourselves. To help actually reorient us, reorient our entire life to living it in God. And so what happens is on a Sabbath, we are to be imitating God. We imitate God by stopping and working no more, resting in his presence. Now, you know, let's make no mistake. I realize that keeping the command to Sabbath is probably now a very radical and extremely difficult thing to do in this culture that we live in. I mean, honestly, it cuts to the core of our spirituality, the core of our convictions, the core of our faith, the very core of the lifestyle that you and I have made a choice of. And so our culture basically knows nothing of setting aside a whole day to rest and delight in God. In fact, most of us consider it an optional extra. Not something that is absolutely essential 
to discipleship in your life. You see, without the Sabbath, we find ourselves lost and unsure of the larger picture of God in our lives. And I'm convinced that nothing less than a profound understanding of the Sabbath as a command from God, as well as an incredible invitation, will enable us to grab hold of this rope that God's offering us. Keeping the Sabbath in Scripture is a commandment. It's right there next to um, refraining from lying and murdering and committing adultery. You see, the Sabbath, it is a gift from God that we are invited to receive. You know, the, the Bible tells us that the nation of Israel lived as slaves in Egypt for over four Hundred years. They never had a day off in 400 years. They were treated as nothing more than tools of production to make the pyramids and to build all of Egypt. They worked seven days a week all year long. Now, think about that for just a moment. Not just, you know, your grandparents' lifetime or your parents' lifetime or even your great-grandparents' lifetime. We're talking 400 years of living this way. Think what that does to your culture. Think about how deeply ingrained Overworking must have been for the whole nation. They had never observed or experienced any kind of rhythm of working and resting. Ever. They had neither permission to rest, nor did they have even the choice to do so. So living for them meant performing tasks one day after another, all of them blurring into one great big mess. So here's what happened. God called Israel out of Egypt. And when he did that, he affirmed to them that they were sacred human beings made in his image. He then showed them how to live according to their very God-given nature. In essence, God said, uh, you know, it may feel awkward at first, but, you know, just like a fish is created to live in water, I created you to live according to this design. And he laid that design out in the Ten Commandments. Now, what's interesting to observe when you read through, and we are, 
when you read through the Ten Commandments, the longest and most specific of all Ten Commandments is the Fourth Commandment. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 3. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. These are the Ten Commandments. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Now let's jump down to verse 7. Verse 7. You, number 3, you shall not misuse. Everybody say misuse. Oh God. That's misuse. Just going to put that one out there. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And here's number four. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Now, just for good measure, we'll read the rest. Number, verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 13, you shall not murder. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Verse 15, you shall not steal. Verse 16, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And the last one, you shall not covet. So out of all ten commandments, the most specific, the one with the most detail, is this one about keeping the Sabbath. And I think in it, God wants us to to really get a hold of this rope. God worked. And so are we. We too are to work. But you know what? God rested. And so are we. We're supposed to be resting. You know, after he completed his work of creating the heavens and the earth, God rested on the seventh day. In fact, it was the climax of of God's week. 
So what's that tell us? It should be the climax of our week. And you know what's interesting is that when you think about when man showed up, what day did he show up on? Ooh, wow. Say it out loud. Six. Day six, he created man. So think about this. God created, he worked, he worked, he worked, he worked, he worked, put man, here you go, breath of life. And then the very next day is what? Rest. So this is a little side caveat, but it's a good one. See, God works first, and then he rests. But guess what happens with man? Man shows up, and out of rest, he then works. His first full day was not, okay, let's start naming animals. Let's start taking over the planet. The first full day of man, it was rest with God. Come on. You know it's good. That's Bible. It was the climax of God's week to hang out with his buddy and do nothing. You know, before the Israelites entered the promised land, Moses proclaimed even more that the very act of ceasing work in the midst of all the surrounding nations, it would be a sign of their liberation by God. When everybody else around you is work, 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 but we're this weird people who just showed up and we take a whole day for nothing but us and God, it's a sign to all the nations. By the very act of refusing to succumb to the enormous pressure of Western culture around us, we too can be a sign and a wonder that we are free people. That we have been called by God out of this world trying to prove its worth and its value. See, this world is so based its value on what it does and what it has. God's invitation is to say, I want your worth to be based in who you are. Sons and daughters in the image of your creator. We are deeply loved by God for who we are, not for what we do. I know we're all shaking our head, but we're not living like that. Oh, we agree, Tom, preach it. That's Bible. When are we going to live it? When are we going to be risk takers? When are we going to live radical enough to prove to the world that six days is enough? The Sabbath is calling us to build the doing of nothing into our schedules every week. 
Nothing measurable is accomplished. What'd you do today? Nothing. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm in the image of God. You talk to him. I mean, by the world's standards, that's inefficient. It's unproductive and it's useless. But for us to to fail to see the value of simply being with God and doing nothing is to miss the very heart of Christianity. But we are missing it. We're missing it big. In our 21st century culture, Christians are missing it big time. You see, the Sabbath, when it's lived out, it becomes our means as the people of God to bear witness to the way that we truly understand life. That the, it, it bears witness that we understand the rhythm of how God created us. The gifts that God offers us, its meaning, really our ultimate purpose in God. When we observe the Sabbath, we are, are affirming that God is the center and the source of your life. That's what Christians are supposed to do. When we observe the Sabbath, we affirm that God and God alone is the beginning, he's the middle, and he's the end of our existence. And therefore, we are to trust God to provide and to care for us. That's what we have the opportunity and the option to declare when we keep the Sabbath. Now, the Bible, it speaks of another kind of Sabbath as well. And it's a longer kind of Sabbath. It's what we would call a sabbatical. Some of you would call it permanent vacation. (laughs) But not only did God understand and create us for the purpose of the Sabbath, to have one day a week that we rest, but God also knew something else about the nation of Israel. He knew that if Israel was to be true to her calling and her purpose, that they would need to take... um, They would need more than just one weekly Sabbath. That they would actually need longer stretches of time to stop and to rest and to delight and contemplate the Lord. And so for that very reason, the Lord God, he built into the national economic and political life an entire year. A Sabbath. 
Let me say that again for those of you who are distracted. God knew Israel would need longer stretches of time to stop, to rest, and to delight and contemplate the Lord. And so God built in to their systems an entire sabbatical year. And God commanded that all of Israel give the land a Sabbath of rest. One year in seven years. Let's read this in Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus chapter 25. It's going to start with right with verse 1. The Lord said, who said this? He said it to Moses on Mount Sinai. Verse 2, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I'm going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years, sow your fields, and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, But in the seventh year, the land is to have a Sabbath of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you. For yourself, your manservant, your maidservant, and the hired worker and the temporary resident living among you. As well as for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. Whatever the land produces may be eaten. So, you think it takes a lot of faith to take a day off in seven? What is, what is this is crazy. Take a whole year out of seven, one year out of seven, and don't do anything. Don't let the land, don't work it. God knew that that would require an incredible amount of faith. And so he promised. He promised that what they harvested in year six would be enough to feed them for two whole years. That's awesome. Most of us would have seen that increase as an opportunity for a pay raise and keep working seven years. They were to trust God for their provision. So for us... These longer sabbaticals are part of the rope that God offers us to survive the blizzards of life. So here's some application to think about. You know, a lot of us take vacations, right? 
one, two, three, maybe more weeks a year. Consider this. Consider taking some vacation time as part of this kind of sabbatical. How might that change what you do and where you go? What might it look like for you to experience a vacation that's away from work, away from home, but it's got a God focus? Not a Margaritaville focus. You can do that one after the God focus. I'm kidding. Is y'all nervously laughing? <laughs> he just told us to go get drunk. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, some of you didn't need my permission. I'm just saying. <laughs> but what would it look like if you took part of your vacation time every year and did a sabbatical? You focus that whole week or two or four, however many, right on the Lord. Because here's the reality. All of us need extended time, a way to get with God, to focus on the Lord. Now, for people who are in full-time ministry... This is very highly recommended. It's recommended that people who have given their full life, their whole work to the work of God, that they take extended times off for renewal, for rest, and for healing. And here's why. I'm going to share some statistics with you. Right now, it is estimated that 1,500, 1,000, 500 pastors leave the ministry for good every month because of burnout and because of conflict within the church. 1,500 every month. Don't come back. 80% of pastors are discouraged in their current role at their church. Almost half of all pastors have seriously considered leaving the ministry for good in the past three months. 80% of full-time ministers believe that pastoral ministry affects their families in negative ways. 56% of pastors' wives say that they have no real close friendships. And 45% of, of pastors' wives say that the greatest danger to them and their family is physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual burnout. Now, many of us, I know, I know a good brother in the Lord by the name of Kurt Farrell. I love that guy. Well, a couple of years ago, Kurt resigned his position at South Memorial Church of God. 
Now, after Kurt had resigned, he went to the district board, whatever that process is. I don't know the exact name of it. But he went to Church of God Ministries in Anderson to look for, to, to, to go for a new position. Look for placement at another congregation. And so part of the interview process that they took him through is they asked him this question. They asked him, they said, when, Kurt, was your last sabbatical? And he goes, hmm. He goes, I've never taken a sabbatical. And they stopped right there. And they said, so in the 18 years that you've been in the ministry, you've never had an extended period of time away from the ministry. And he goes, nope. I've had vacations, but... And so the board told him that they would not place him at another church until he had had a minimum of two months because they said, son, your problem is you are burned out and you don't even know it. And we are not going to put you anywhere until you've had adequate time away from the work of God. And so they refused to place him because he was experiencing deep levels of burnout that he had no idea was the problem. Now, since that time, and because uh, directly related to Kurt's situation, um, the South Memorial Church of God here in town has, has implemented a sabbatical policy for all of their full-time pastoral staff. Can we praise the Lord for that? Well, you know, Eric and I are slow, but we ain't stupid. <laughs> so we've begun to establish a sabbatical policy for here. For our full-time people, which right now it's just me and Eric. <laughs> so we're really for this. <laughs> Eric and I, the board, have voted on this. It was unanimous. <laughs> so we're adopting a sabbatical policy. And when you know it, that I get to be the guinea pig. <laughs> so you're like, what? well, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Someone else is clapping. I better. Well, let me get real vulnerable with you for just a moment. Me, Tom Preble. I, right now, I'm in a place of real emotional and spiritual burnout. You know, it's uh, almost 18 years ago, Eric and myself and a handful of others, uh, we planted this church. We started the church in June of 1997. I got married in September of 97. And in the 18 years that I've been married to my wife and married to this church, I've been on vacation four times. And of those four vacations, three of them were either given to us or sold to us very cheaply. 
Now, I know that that's no one's fault but my own, but that's where we've been. And now, while I've done fairly well at keeping a weekly Sabbath, um, I've failed miserably at doing extended times of refreshing. I failed. Proverbs 13 and verse 12 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And right now my heart is sick. So many dreams and desires, prophetic words have not come to pass as I had hoped they would by now. So my heart's a little sick. And right now, I need to get some renewal and some refreshing. I need hope restored. I need some healing. You know, last year, I received a couple of prophetic words. One was at the House of Prayer in Kansas City. And basically, uh, that word... Was to me was that God was going to give me a special grace to come away with him so that he could reveal his power to me. I need that. Bill Diggerson came last, last year. Yes, October. He prophesied over me as well. And among many other things, he said, um, this thing he, he, he definitely said, he says, I'm prophesied over me he said I'm the Lord I'm going to get a whole new vision with what God's about to do there's going to be a fresh fire that's going to come on me there's going to be a fresh anointing that's going to rise up inside of me God's about to pour out his glory on me that the door is about to be open wide for me that there's a song of praise like never before it's going to flow out of me At this hour, at this time, he's called me to purpose and destined me. No more delays is what the Lord said. Well, I believe those prophetic words are in part pointing me to this personal sabbatical. So what I need to say is that today... It's my last Sunday for a couple of months. I'm going to be on sabbatical for all of May and all of June so I can get my head clear and my heart clean. So what that means is my family and I, we will not even be attending church here. I can't walk in these doors and not be in work mode just can't happen as much as I love and will miss you guys I just can't be here I won't be meeting with anyone I'll not be serving in ministry in any fashion here at New Covenant for the whole month of May and June so what this means is do not call me (laughs) do not email me Do not text me. 
for any reason except to go have fun. <laughs> if you want me to go see a movie with you, call me. You want to go play a board game? Call me. Want to go play some golf? By all means, call me. But if you want to go play some golf and talk about your problems or the church, don't bother. If you want to do, if what you want to do will help refresh me or my family, don't hesitate to call us. I will return in July, I promise. It may be to give my full resignation, but <laughs> again, I'm joking. But I will return in July, and hopefully I will be refreshed and ready to do another 18 years. Well, we'll six before the next sabbatical, but 18 for the long haul. And as I said before, I'm the guinea pig. But really what that also means is that Eric and Karen will be taking their sabbatical in the next year or two. Yeah, the reason I'm the guinea pig is I'm such an overachiever in ministry that I, I decided to hit the wall before Eric. It wasn't easy, but I did it without a helmet. That's right. Now, here's the good news. While I'm gone, things will continue without really much any difficulty. You'll still have great worship because you still have a great worship team. In fact, Micah will be picking up a lot of my responsibilities. If you got something you need in the area of worship, don't call me. You can call Mike. And he's not going to just be picking up, you know, some of our responsibilities in worship. We're also, uh, you know, we just started this young adult team, and he's going he's gonna to run with that while I'm gone for the next two months as well. Um, as I said before, I'm not going to meet with anybody. I'm not going to disciple. But I do want to say there are there's some people who are starting to step up here who can disciple who can walk you through your life issues. They're not maybe the pastor or the pastor's helper, Tom Preble. But they're good. And there's a lot of help here if you'll just ask for it. So the good news is things are going to be okay while I'm gone. And just for your information, a couple of things that we're going to do. Michelle and I are going away to a retreat center in North Carolina. Just her and I for a week of healing and some rest, you know. And again, don't worry, our marriage is not in jeopardy, is it? Okay. As far as I know, I'm happy. But we're both in burnout. We both need some healing from the many, many, many bumps and bruises that come from doing intense ministry. 
And when we get back, um, we're going to go on vacation. We're going to go to the beach. Hopefully, I'll be sleeping in my room while she's on the beach. That would be perfect, but we'll give and take. I also signed up for a, um, a leader uh, retreat for pastors in crisis out at Bethel Church in Reading. I'm still waiting to hear back from that, but that may be in May. If not May, it may be in August. So that's neither here nor there. But um, So that's kind of what we're doing. And for the rest of that time, I'll be sitting in my zero-gravity chair in the yard Hanging out with Jesus the best I can. Now, for those of you who are wondering what you can do for us during this time, pray for us. Pray for healing. Pray for hope restored. Pray for brokenness. Pray for restored vision. And by all means, don't be afraid to call us to have some fun. Now, I realize this may raise some questions or confusion about what's going on with me. So I'm going to, this next week is my last week. If you have any questions or concerns, I'm opening up this whole week to talk to you. If you want to meet with me this week, this is your window. (laughs) Talk about it as much as I can. Answer any questions you have. But after this next week, I will not be available for anything but fun. So let me finish by saying, I love our church. I love what God's doing here. I just need to get away. So I can continue being the visionary leader that God's called me to be so I can have some hope restored. Eric. If I could have Michelle come up as well, we're going to pray for him. I didn't know how emotional I was going to be. Um, can't have everybody come forward in prayer. I, I wish we could. I'm going to have the altar team come up, and if you lead an aspect of ministry here at New Covenant, we're going to uh, have you come forward and pray for them as well. Um, wow. Um, I just say in my own heart, I love this man and woman. And I didn't know how emotional I would be as well, but Abe was asking me all these questions as he was sharing the message. Are you burnt out, Dad? Are you? You know, and as he was going through the statistics of pastors, you know, I don't think sometimes you can even know if you're burnt out. You know, he asked me, are you burnt out? I said, I don't know. (laughs) But, you know, um, vacation and retreat time has been a very priority for me. Um because I, I can't do it without that, that's for sure. But uh, but Tom and Michelle have labored for 18 years at this congregation, and they have been a blessing to this house. Can I have an amen? 
And I want you to reaffirm your love to them. Because many times in ministry, what you do is you don't hear, I love you and I appreciate you. And what you've meant to me and what you've done in my life. And so I really want you guys to, through this next couple months, to really uh, show your appreciation, your value. You know, he said, pray for us. And I'm going to also, over the next several weeks, give you an opportunity to sow financially to this uh, retreat because it's going to be expensive to do some of the things they're going to do. And it's not to beg you for money, but it's just as God puts on your heart, I ask that you pray over the next several weeks what you might sow into this sabbatical. Does that make sense? Because you're sowing for your own sabbatical as well. <laughs> and so the altar team could come up if ministry team leaders could come up. And if you get something prophetically, I ask that you write it down. I ask that you uh, begin to uh, just even right now engage your heart as we love on Tom and Michelle. Michelle is also turning over the theophostics and inner healing to Connie Julson. And so if there's need for that, she's turning that over to Connie during this season. But we're just going to bless Tom and Michelle. <laughs> Tom and Michelle, I love you. I love you. I love you. And thank you um, for doing this. And uh, I just want to say the, that hope will be restored in the name of Jesus. And uh, the Lord is going to do some amazing things over the next, next couple months. And so right now, we just come against the devourer on your behalf. And as a church, we declare that we will stand in the gap for you. And uh, we even, as a church, repent as we have not stood in the gap as we have should have in prayer and intercession. But, Father, we declare a blessing over Tom and Michelle. We thank you, God, for them. And we just ask, God, for your blessing and your anointing upon them. That, God, you would rush in like a mighty rushing river. And that you, God, would begin to do a work of restoration, of healing, of deliverance, of freedom, of God dealing with their emotions and, and, and overshadowing them with your presence. <laughs> I thank you for surprising them. <laughs> I thank you for surprising them. Even last night as we were in this concert, they, they, the, the, one of the things that was said was, when my life's falling apart, it's not falling apart, it's falling into place. I thank you that things are falling into place <laughs> right now. And I just declare a blessing over Tom and Michelle and their boys <laughs> that this would be a sabbatical of rest, of refreshing and experiencing you, God. That the rope, <laughs> that the rope that leads to you God, that you would anchor them and refresh them. So, Father, we bless Tom and Michelle. We bless you, Tom and Michelle, in the name of Jesus. And if anybody else has a prayer they want to declare over them, feel free to do that. anybody gets a prophetic word here in this group, let me know.
what I saw was a cradle, and I believe that God is really going to cradle you. He's going to rock you during this time. He's going to support you during this time in all manners, in all ways. You have nothing to worry about. You have nothing to fear. Nothing to worry about, nothing to fear. I say again to you, Tom, as I said this morning, full anointing. Full anointing on you, my brother. Full anointing on you. And Michelle, full anointing on you during this time. May you be broken in the places that you need to be broken. May you be strengthened in the places that you need to be strengthened. And come mightily back to us in the name of Jesus. When God created the earth, um, when he was finished doing his work, he was able to say that and recognize that it was good. And I think sometimes, sometimes we as humans, um, we get these lenses on or these clouds or these cobwebs that we see life through and, and we look at our work and we don't feel like it's good. And we see it as failure. We see it as not measuring up. And I, and I really, I truly believe that the Lord is going to remove any lenses or any cobwebs or any clouds that you've had during this time of your rest. Because once you're at a place of rest, you're going to be able to see your work the way God sees your work. These last 17 years, you're going to be able to see the work that you've done through the lenses and the eyes of the Lord. And you're going... Those clouds and the lenses are going to be removed and you're going to be able to see it. And you're going to look back and you're going to say, it is good. Tom, Michelle, I, I see two words I keep coming up in my mind and I, I know I need it a lot of times too, but. I believe it's for you. It's refreshment and joy to your heart, to your soul, to your mind, will, and emotions, and also to your body. I believe that there will be a refreshing through this time of anointing away from this church, but not really away from God. And I see a refreshing that you need. And God says, rest. And I say, God, he, he's telling you to refresh your mind and refresh your soul refresh your body and that when he refreshes you just like he says when we're weak we are strong and I'm believing that through this weakness you're going to be stronger than ever you're going to be a lot better a lot stronger a lot wiser and a lot de determined to look focused on what he has for you and your, and your marriage and this church and this community to where you be even on fire even more I just see a fire of flame of victory and refreshing. I just, as God led the Israelites with fire at night and a cloud by day, he's guiding you to where you can refresh you and guide you where you need to go. And just refreshing you and giving you joy in your heart. Come and show, God is showing me that spring is the spring 
of new and refreshing living water. And as you drink of this water, your souls, your beings, you're going to be renewed and refreshed. And it's God is pouring his Holy Spirit out through this spring on your family during this time of refreshment in your lives. In Jesus' name. Tom, I'm just getting the word intimacy, and um, just between you and, and God, that you'll be able to enjoy it more, and uh, even with your wife. Tom, Michelle, God showed me a spring, just as he showed Matt, that he said it's not just a spring, you're not going to be just a spring of water coming up, but you're going to be an artesian well that that well is going to flow and flow fully and it will never stop running. And that this is going to flow out of you and it's going to cool and refresh. Tom and Michelle. Tom, God knows you better than you know yourself. <laughs> he knows that your tendency is going to be to try to plan. No matter what, you're still going to try to plan for what's on the horizon. And God is desperately telling you, no. Let it go. Let it go. Behold your wife. Behold your kids. And behold the relationships of the people that will pour into you during this time. And just behold your relationship with the Father. When you come back, when this is over, God is going to give you amazing visions, but not until then. Be obedient in the moment to lay everything down and allow yourself to be refreshed during this time. God is going to do amazing work in you just by you allowing him to love you. Tom, as a father, it's, it's hard to see your children walk through difficult times. And my heart is really aching for you and your family. This has been a difficult season. I've seen it. But as a father, I would say stand strong. Learn, learn from your father. Learn of me. 
You know, in Ecclesiastes, it talks about the seasons. And I read that this morning, and I see where you have walked through various seasons in life. And every season brings another revelation. And in this season, the Lord is going to bring a revelation. A revelation that's going to blow your mind. You will see a God, a Father, of who He really is to you. And you will see Him as the great and mighty Creator that He created in the image He created you. Great and mighty. So as a father, I say, I love you. I love you deeply. I love you greatly. You have taught me many things. And I appreciate that because I can learn from you. Even though I'm older, I still learn from you. So thank you. Thank you very much, Tom. I really appreciate that. I've even learned from your wife things that I didn't know how to do and how to stand and be strong, and I thank you for that. So be encouraged in this season. Tom, Michelle, I hear the Lord saying thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for bringing glory to my name. And I love you. What you have done and are doing and will do is acceptable to me. I have received honor from those things. And I honor you. People have seen my glory through you. And I'm going to show you my glory during this time. Along the lines of what Chris was saying, the Lord's also saying, Tom, don't expect anything other than to encounter me. Michelle, don't expect anything other than to encounter me. I will come in different ways than what you expect. I will do things a different way than what you expect. And I will use the odd things to show my glory, to refresh you, to bring you life, and for you to see my love in a greater capacity than what you've seen today. Tom, about halfway through your sabbatical, you're going to receive a visitation from the Lord. He's going to show you more clearly the path that you are to walk. It's going to be made very plain to you what you are to do. Also, during this time, you're going to start understanding why God gave you Michelle, and you're going to have a deep appreciation and a deeper love for her than you've ever known before of why he gave her to you. Michelle, I don't really, I don't know you, but <clears throat> the Lord is saying great grace. You are going to need great grace to stay at rest during this time. 
All of these words are so true, but it seems like with your personality, uh, at any one point when something is said to you, you're going to want to run with it. And I just think the Lord is saying, great grace, don't run. Just walk through this time and be at rest. I was super emotional. I couldn't figure out why. Um, I just, I have this great repentant heart that I've always taken advantage of the fact that they're always here and the things that they do. And I just want to say that I'm sorry that we've been takers. <laughs> I've been here since the day Tom was ordained. That was our first time coming to the church. So I feel like I'm, I'm not here for like the end or whatever, but, um, I just feel like I've been here from the beginning, and I, he's always been here. And so I just, I feel this great, just repentance, and just, I'm sorry. Because they, they do so much, and none of us see that. None of us see what goes on. And Right, yes, there's not enough honor for you guys. So thank you, and I'm sorry. just saw that when gold is refined in the fire, that's when it's melted and changed. But when you, the way you have to set it is by putting it into that cold, refreshing water. And so you will get new things through this, but also God's going to bring up those things that happened while you were in the fire and he's going to set them in while you're in this time of refreshing. It's going to be a setting in. He's going to bring up things that happened and you're going to be able to think them through more. And he's just going to be like, this is what you learned from this. And it's, so it's going to be a clarity of things that have already happened as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you again for Tom and Michelle. Father, I thank you for their steadfastness, their faithfulness. And now I thank you for giving them the ability to rest in you. And Father, we covenant as a people to, to pray and intercede for them as watchmen on the wall, to bless them in their coming and their going. And I thank you, God, that even though the expectations are unknown how they're going to walk this time out. I thank you, God, that you're going to surprise them. And I thank you, God, that you are going to be the sovereign one. You're going to be Jehovah Sneaky. You're going to be the one who comes in and you're going to refresh them with your presence. And in your presence, there will be fullness of joy. In your presence, darkness will flee. And even though maybe they don't even know how to get in your presence right now, I thank you that you come even when we don't know how to get into it. <laughs> and so, God, I bless them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost. May you bless them in this time of rest and hanging on to you, God. We love them and we acknowledge the gift and the anointing that you have placed on them. We thank you for their faithfulness through the years. And God, we bless them now in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Amen.